0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is the podcast where you control the conversation right here on the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs.
1: My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. And uh, on this show, people refer to me as Rockmeister McCool. It's... uh, not a nickname I deserve. If we get 1,000 subscribers on Patreon, Whitney mm. will legally change his name to Rockmeister McCool. Just 1,000? You don't want to <laughs> set that bar a little higher? <laughs> we thought we'd never get 250, and that happens. All right, so. all right, all right, all right, all right.
0: What sounds like a good number to you?
1: <laughs> Keep it in the realm of plausibility. So get to like 80 billion. Legally million. change my name. Legally change your name to Rockmeister name McCool. McCool. Cool. Why is it? Oh, gosh. You know what? I'll say 8,000. 8,000 people. If we can get 8,000 subscribers. He will abandon his family tree
0: <laughs> and change his name <laughs> to Rockmeister McCool. However, he gets to choose how it's spelled.
1: Is that fair? Yes, I do.
0: Yeah, that's fair, right? It's going to have four M's and a silent Q. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, this is the podcast here on the Critically Acclaimed Network, where you write in. Uh, the email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, You write your emails, we read them uh, on the podcast, we answer your questions, we respond to your uh, ideas, your criticisms, your questions about uh, film and television and pop culture history, um, recommendations, we get a lot of requests for those, Um, and you can talk about anything you want, really. This is your time, we are, you know, we have our expertises, you know, if you want us to talk about, like, the history of bananas, I'd be like, I don't know, they've been yellow for a while, like... That's so, what I got, except for those red ones <laughs> and the green ones. Okay, you know what? I know nothing about bananas, <laughs> so don't ask oh. about bananas unless you want a, mm-hmm. me to make up a bunch of stuff. So, uh, but in any case, this is your time. We don't like to dilly dally right here at the
1: front of we've got mail, so let's just dive right in. Whitney, mm-hmm. what's our first email? Our first email is from Cecil. Hi Cecil. Hi Cecil. Uh, hi Bibbs and Rock My, my Star McCool. M y s t a r. I like it. Rock My Star. I will rock everybody's stuff. Yeah, that sounds cool. Actually, Uh, COVID nineteen sucks for everyone. Yes, it does. This is the letter, by the way, not just me being extemporaneous. I Uh, think we can all agree that COVID nineteen sucks. Yeah, I I didn't realize how much I need people. I also realize how much I hate texting. Yes, just call me. I really don't mind. Anyway, if you want to
0: call Whitney Seibold, his phone number is 823.
1: Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say it on a podcast, but <laughs> contact me. It's all right. I'll, I'll yeah. be there. Um, I was looking at my top ten favorite movies list, and I deleted it. Because of the different context, I value different movies. Hmm. Uh, I, only have, I only have five because you have to earn a spot on my list. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. It's your job to come to me. <laughs> I'm not gonna make concessions for you. <laughs> Number five, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, I miss big gay dance parties where we remember half the words and get drunk. Good times. The soundtrack is amazing and it is gay as hell. We we
0: did a. Uh, is that the end of the
1: Rocky That's Horror? The, Horror? Yeah, okay, Rocky so Horror.
0: We'll, we'll, let's cover these one at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recently did a podcast with Chris Clark uh, that was you and me and Chris Clark, and we went over every single song on the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And talked about how it works, whether it's amazing, whether it's merely functional, how it plays in context with the film, how it plays in context with an audience. Uh, And that's one of my favorite things we've done in a bit. That was a real (laughs) fun time. It was a blast.
1: I think because we're both such big fans of Rocky Horror that... we we knew it and we were eager to talk about it so
0: i thoroughly support this and i think even recently we talked about um if we were on the Sight and sound poll if we got to vote for the for posterity Mm -hmm. for the best movies ever i think i even put rocky horror on my list specifically for the reasons you're talking about because it is such a it it, it sort of leaps off the screen and requires Mm -hmm. people to actually interact with it what other movies can say that
1: well they tried that with Repo the genetic opera well
0: and you could say something about that with like you know William Castle film. Yeah, like you yeah. put the tingler I think on your yeah, list for, for, for the same
1: reason yeah, yeah
0: so I, I I love that I love that I think yeah. that movie deserves that yeah. spot
1: Number four: Lilo and Stitch. Yeah uh, you could make this movie without aliens, and it would still be on here. Nami is a fantastic si- sister and Lilo is like six and is trying to prom- process the trauma of losing her parents. Mm-hmm. The social worker bubbles could easily be the bad guy in any other version, but is hugely empathetic and nice. On top of that, all you uh, all you have is aliens and that doesn't take away from what matters. I love hmm. how Lilo and Stitch went from being this movie that Disney kind of
0: just squeaked into the theaters. Hmm was not given, I mean, they had to change a little bit of it because there was like a spaceship and some buildings and they had to change it after 9-11. But it wasn't like they massively changed the whole film. It's just, I think it's Mm. something they didn't want to call a lot of attention to when it came out. But the movie is so charming and so full of personality. And I love that the reason why people are connected to Lilo and Stitch isn't because Stitch is cute, Mm. but because it is a really wonderful story about unconventional family. Mm. it's really great. And huh. I'm really, really glad that's, that's got a lot of, mm. uh, it's been reclaimed, I think I, from, from I, I, the dregs of Disney to
1: the mm. upper echelon. I know it was released to be sort of a minor film, but it was never not a hit. I don't remember a time when it, it sort of lived in a dead zone. Everybody always likes Lilo and Stitch. But Stich. yeah,
0: but Lilo and Stitch, I mean, think about it. Mean, it had a couple of straight-to-video sequels. Yeah, but and a, like, and a TV show. and Yeah, yeah but it's, it's not like they had a theme park it's, it's, attraction. It wasn't considered, like, like, these characters aren't considered Disney princesses. They're not the face of the company. Well, they're but, kind of the interesting, like, stepchild of the company, which well,
1: is what you should be if you're Lilo and Stitch, I guess. I suppose so. I, yeah. Uh, Lilo and Stitch has a very similar story to uh, the Jet Li film Unleashed. It does, actually. Yeah, they're very similar. Which is a very cool movie, actually.
0: (laughs) Very weird, but Uh, very
1: cool. uh, Of the films you're describing, I would say The Emperor's New Groove is the one that needs to be reclaimed. I think it's mostly quite popular. Oh, well. I I think it's... You know what, we're talking about, like, the world's biggest company and how these got a releases aren't quite as acclaimed as other a releases. Well, so some, we're really just splitting hairs. There are yet.
0: some Disney movies that were a releases that nobody talks about. When was the mm. last time you heard anyone casually reference home on the range or dinosaur?
1: Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. gone.
0: So that, that that's not to say it doesn't happen.
1: Mm. All right, moving on. Uh Number three about time. Hey, uh, I love this movie a lot. Tim has the power to time travel and he says he's going to use it to get a girlfriend. And aside from meeting her, being uh being better at sex for the first time and picking a best man I uh, usually uses time travel for things that don't matter it's very cute and I watch it when I need to be cheered up yeah it, uh, about time is I mean it's meant to just be sweet all the way through
0: yeah I think it's one of the great modern mm. tear jerkers I really do mm. I think it is there's a few ways that he uses time travel especially in like the first third mm. that I think are ethically questionable but you know mm. you can chalk that up to he's young he made mistakes and yeah the the idea of using time travel as a metaphor for how we should be living our lives anyway mm. it's actually really well explored mm. i love how it's fantastical and yet completely every day okay you know there's no plot to it there's no secret agents trying to stop these no. people from time traveling it's just really kind and sweet and it makes me cry like a baby it's a really good movie <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Uh, number two, Treasure Planet.
0: Hey, uh, speaking I, of which.
1: Uh, <laughs> other animated films people don't talk about anymore. Uh, I play Dungeons and Dragons and my dungeon master knows how much I love Treasure Planet. So they let me play a Tabaxi, the uh, Emma Thompson species a ah, person fine. who is now the captain of a flying ship. That's I always cool. liked this movie, but I love my friends, and this started my first time playing Dungeons and Dragons with them. That's cool, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, Treasure Planet. We did an episode of the two shot a while ago with Treasure Planet in it, mm-hmm.
0: and I was really, really glad to revisit it because yeah, it's just Treasure Island again. But I think it's a really good Treasure Island, and the design elements and animation mm-hmm. is
1: gorgeous. It's an okay Treasure
0: Island. I love the uh, Long got... John Silver in that movie. I think oh, the Long yeah. John Silver is a great character.
1: Yeah, they. Uh... Although I do like how uh, rather than give him a peg leg, he lost a leg. Now he's a peg leg. Mm-hmm. Then in this one he's lo- he's like rather he's than cyborg. giving a wooden leg they give him a cyborg arm and a cyborg leg and and I like that he then. mostly
0: uses it for cooking
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's actually is a good cook mm. like I do like that rather than having a parrot that sits on your shoulder and imitates what you say they have a little blob that sits on your shoulder and changes shape also fun it's actually pretty corny it's corny but it's fun
0: well, I think it's a, as listen mm. Disney did a steampunk adaptation of Robert Louis Stevenson. And it's about as good as that could be. I suppose so. And I like it a lot. I like that movie a lot. I'm Mm. still waiting for that movie to find its bigger audience. But Mm. I think it'll
1: come. It's a really fun Mm. movie. You know an animated film needs a bigger audience is The Willoughbys. Yes. That that came and went and nobody saw it. Yeah. Or some people saw it like that week and then they don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, I just didn't
0: get... Mm. It's one of those... I I mentioned earlier today when we are recording this, uh, there was an episode of SEN Live, uh, the show a lot of the Schmodown folks do. Mm. Um, and they were talking about the movies that were their biggest tear jerkers. And they talked about how for them or some of the people on the show up was the mm. show that was the movie that got them to cry fastest. Okay. And for me, it was the remake of Benji, <laughs> the opening, like two, three minutes of Benji. Mm got me sobbing mercilessly. <laughs> it's actually a really good movie. The remake of Benji. It's on mm. Netflix. People completely ignored it because Netflix yeah. just dropped it and never did any publicity and that's gone. No, no, no. Anyway, there's there's one and more. And there's
1: one more. Uh, number one, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yay! Uh, the only good Spider-Man movie. The most unique animation style and the soundtrack is spot on. If you haven't seen it, you should watch uh, the sound of the Spider Verse by Sideways. He breaks it down, uh, breaks down the sound design and why What's Up, Danger works well for Miles. Thanks, Cecil. That sounds Um, like a cool video. Um,
0: I I, I take issue with hmm. the only good Spider Man movie because I think at least Spider
1: Man Two is good. Spider Man Two is is. I I think it's one of the best of all superhero movies. I I have
0: an enormous fondness for Spider-Man 1, the Sam Raimi one. I know it's got a lot of clunky stuff in it, but there's so many things I think that movie does right that I think it is at least in aggregate a good movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have just a special place in my heart for it for a variety of reasons. But yeah, I think Spider-Man 2 is at least a good movie. But I think it's probably fair to say that Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie. I think Spider-Verse gets kind of throws everything in and somehow it all fits. (laughs) It's kind of a miracle like yeah. a movie that complicated and visually innovative mm. and stylish could not only be entertaining but actually like really thoughtful yeah. and soulful and be a great origin story while still incorporating all of these other characters from all over different mm. parallel universes
1: and I, I kind weird of weird film but it's yeah, great. I although I appreciate all of like the the deep cut Spider Man references like Spider Ham is in it for goodness yeah. sake. Uh, I I feel like it. I'm a little bummed out that we have to connect it to Spider-Man because now we're just sort of connecting it to, oh, it's the larger tapestry of the Spider-Man universe. Like, this is actually such a striking animated film that if they had created an original character, it would have been just as good. We don't need the Spider-Man connection to make that good. That's true, but that doesn't make it a bad movie. No, but it's been steering every single conversation toward other things that aren't in the movie like what characters are going to come next what kind of sequels are we going to see i don't give a damn this is too good a movie to start talking that way
0: i I actually agree with you Mm. i don't mean they are working on another one and if it's the same Mm. people behind it i mean shit they made end of the spider-verse work maybe they'll come up with a great sequel i don't know but Mm. right now if this was the only movie we ever had Mm. it would be damn near perfect it's a really really great motion picture and Um, But yeah, regardless of whether you look at it as a tapestry or whether you look at it as a standalone, I think it's wonderful, and I'm really, really glad that. You know, I'm sure it was a hell of a lot easier to get that movie made because it was about Spider-Man. Probably wouldn't have thrown money at it the way they did if it was about some random new guy.
1: Yeah, Um, this is
0: Flight Dude. Yeah, like I don't think (laughs) Flight Dude would have gotten Uh, that much attention, won the Academy Award, but. Um, oh, I'd, I'd watch the hell out of a movie called Flight Dude. Oh, who wouldn't? <laughs> I think that was the original title for The Rocketeer, and then they <laughs> Flight Dude, <it was, laughs> like Flight Dude. Anyway, uh, was that the end of the letter? Uh, that was the end of the letter. Okay, I mean. well, thank you for writing in, and I actually really like the idea of reexamining our taste in movies now that, like, because the pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world, hmm. I think is. Helping a lot of people to maybe reassess their life's priorities yeah, and yeah. realize what's important, what's important now, what's always been important. But we've been so distracted by our lives that we haven't really been looking at it. And I think the idea that art is like a distraction, it's something that's sort of really passive, is something that I think a lot of people are realizing isn't... Isn't true. <laughs> well, at the very least, it isn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And... I think that now is a really good time to reevaluate our taste in things and mm-hmm. our history with things. And when we rewatch things, maybe we should look out for different stuff than we were looking at yeah, before. Well, like when we were young and didn't have a lot of context, social, political, personal. Hmm. And now we can realize that these movies are better or worse than we thought they were because mm-hmm. we've grown as people, we've been through a lot, and we've all been through a lot together lately, which I think is really an interesting mm-hmm. moment well. in history.
1: I find that a lot of people are finally using these moments to uh, challenge themselves. Yeah, uh, this these are challenging times, and right now uh, everybody is watching uh, Ava DuVernay's Thirteenth, yeah, and uh, that's you know, a great time. C- kind of really vital, important movies, and they're getting a lot of information, and they're actually changing as an audience. The general consensus on pop cinema. Was we. Yeah, turn Uh, off your brain. It's like, this is just going to be fun and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of this imaginary world because the ins and outs are so fun and interesting. When we take those things away... People start recovering pretty quick. Think about and, home, uh, yeah. And as such, we find people who would never think to do so before sitting down because they're at home. They've watched Clue for the thousandth time. Uh, they, they sure don't remember picking on Clue, but uh, just something that's oft repeated. You know, people yeah. aren't necessarily just going back to their old standbys because they can't do that every day. After yeah. a while, it's like let's try something new and we have younger people who have no interest, who have no knowledge of who Bellatar is bellying up to Satan Tango just that- because they're inside for seven straight hours. And why not
0: now? I- I'm not There's sure. no reason why not. Okay. To. Can we start a hashtag the Satan Tango challenge? So, there you go. <laughs> Take the Satan Tango Challenge. Gonna you got to watch all of right Satan now. Tango. That's a great In idea. one sitting. That's an amazing idea, and I love that, and we should totally do that. <laughs> um, but it's true, and I think when you think about like all of like the big movies right now, that would just be pleasant distractions. Mm. I mean, I haven't seen all of the blockbusters that were supposed to come out this summer, obviously. We saw Artemis Fowl. We saw Artemis Fowl. Mm. Um, we saw uh, Scoob. <laughs> Um, we and saw Trolls. We saw Trolls, which wasn't technically summer, but it was a big movie. And, mm. you know, they're not movies with a lot of big ideas that are trying to get you to think. They're the kind of typical summer blockbuster that might have some thoughts in its head, but it's mostly there to pass the time and to be pleasant. And we get a lot of those every summer and we've had a lot less of them this summer. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how many people who probably would have spent all of their time and money going to see movies like fast and furious nine or like four or five times in a row. Yeah. And instead something like black
1: widow or other things that have been delayed.
0: Yeah. And maybe those movies are good. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But what I do know is that instead of those movies being out, like the big release that they had access to last weekend was Spike Lee's to five bloods. Now everybody's talking about a great movie. Yeah, with a lot on its mind, and yeah, it's, that's it's, really exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, exciting.
1: We and what's been really edifying for people like you and I, like film critics, mm. we talk about films like uh, you know To the Stars or The Vast of Night. People are actually watching them because. Yeah. This is what's great right now.
0: I love how many people like tweeted us to mm. say that. Thank you for telling us about Fast of Night. We mm. watched it and we thought it was great. Mm. A couple people also said they, they weren't digging it. That's fair too. But mm-hmm. a lot of people really, really liked it. And that warmed my heart. No. Um, so thank you everybody who <laughs> takes our recommendations and gives exactly. them a shot um, <laughs>
1: thanks for listening to us. have you
0: ever if you ever watch a movie that you've like never heard of because we recommended it mm-hmm. please tweet us let us know what you even if you didn't like it yeah let us know it's it's actually like a really good compliment to any film critic anyone who works in this industry is a film critic if you saw a movie specifically because I don't know someone like Alonzo Duralde or mm-hmm. Amy Nicholson or uh, whoever yeah. if you saw a movie because they recommended it that you wouldn't otherwise have seen let them know it's yeah, cool yeah. it's really nice to know like that that's, that's, it that's, makes our job worth it it's the best part of our job
1: anyway let's move on uh, here's a letter from Michael hello Michael uh, dear Bibbs and Whitney hope that everyone is doing well during this pandemic I hope that Bibbs is getting the appropriate therapy he needs thank you yeah, uh, uh, the
0: I, backstory to that is I'm taking a break on social media right now for uh, mental health reasons um, I deal with a lot of depression and anxiety, and people have been mm-hmm. very supportive, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. kind words. Thank but, you.
1: Yeah, if, if you're struggling with anxiety, Twitter is not the place to be. No, uh, I mean,
0: that's generally speaking. Social media can be great for organizing and information mm-hmm. and communities I mean, and
1: that, communication. Yeah, but, yeah,
0: all of those things. It can be really, really wonderful, but there are also times when it's just this tidal wave of nonstop negativity from all over the globe. And I, my brain can only handle so much of that before it starts turning against me. Mm, so yeah. thank you for your kind of words. Appreciate but,
1: it. Uh, but he says, I've been seeing this. I have been seeing the same therapist for over 20 years. So Bibbs, you're in good company. Thank you. Uh, a lot of people go to therapy. There's no shame in that. Well, th-
0: there was a stigma for so many years yeah. and I'm really, really glad that that's lessening now and I know some people are still wrestling with that. Mm. I wrestled with that for a long time before I we went to therapy. Okay. This is one of the reasons why I try to talk about it a lot. Mm. Like, it's, well, when it comes up, I try not to like, yeah mm-hmm. on, but, You know, like, I try to bring it up when it's relevant
1: so that hopefully it gets increasingly destigmatized. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, Anyway, questions slash comments. And and there's several of these. One, Mm -hmm. considering that it's mid-year and most people are likely to make mid-year's list among a whole bunch of other people, I'd like to provide you mine. So I want to start off with The Good Films of 2020. Uh, number five, Slay the Dragon, a thoroughly informing view of people who are taking on the system to outlaw gerrymandering. We reviewed that one. That's a good movie. Uh, number four, Bad Education, I missed. Uh, I would absolutely have paid to see this movie in a theater. That one is on HBO right now. I haven't seen that movie uh, yet. Number, I, I should. I have HBO Max now. Uh, number three, 1917. I saw this in 2020, and it perfectly. I'm perfectly miffed that this didn't win Best Picture. Oh, 1917. A lot of people like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, To Five Bloods, the first hour uh, has me thinking... Uh, Was this a collaboration of David Morrill and Sylvester Stallone? Uh, And number one, Be Water. Outside of O.J. Made in America, this is one of the finest 30 for 30 films that I have ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's a documentary about Bruce Lee, uh, which I've been meaning to see. And I think I'm going to finally make the time for it soon because um, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm excited about that. I heard that movie. That documentary is great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No,
1: he also says, uh, when it comes to my worst list, let me say, uh, as a YouTuber who has been doing video for the past four years, I've evolved over what constitutes a worst list. Considering that I don't like to punch down uh, on films that have taken years to make, but alas, here are my bottom five of the year. Number five, porno. Mm -hmm. A film that isn't funny, isn't scary, and doesn't inform me about these people's faith. Uh, number four, We Summon the Darkness. While I, while I utterly loved my friend Dummer the final hour of this movie was deadly dull. Yeah, We, we Summon the Darkness wasn't good. I missed that um, one, but
0: after your review, yeah. I felt like I
1: really didn't need to. No, you don't need to see that one. Yeah. Uh, number three, The Lodge. Oh, I like The Lodge. Uh, I, I, found, I didn't. I found this film beneath contempt, along with the third act twist that I felt cruel and demeaning. Uh, num- I know a lot of people. A lot of people I know who like. <laughs> who are
0: sensitive to some of the issues in The Lodge mm. were not fans of The Lodge. But uh, some were. It's an interesting sort of Rorschach test of a yeah, film, I yeah. think.
1: So. Yeah. I really like Kristen Lopez's review of of The Lodge. I don't
0: think I read that, actually. Yeah,
1: she she, she and I actually spotted the same thing about this, uh, how women are frequently uh, told what to feel and that their mm. true emotions are, are not to be trusted. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, Inheritance. Uh, Lily Collins continues to prove that she isn't much of an actress in a film in which the audience is ahead of the film by a good 30 minutes. And number one, Gretel and Hansel, an hour and 20 minute film that has 20 minutes worth of plot and runs out of gas after 45. Uh, The audience I saw this film with was falling asleep. Also I expected more from the son of Anthony Perkins.
0: Uh, I actually quite like that one. I think that's more of like a weird European art house movie than in Mm -hmm. a conventional horror movie. I think a lot of people expected it to be more like... Scary. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's the case with the person who wrote this email, but um, yeah, I, I think they'll, that movie will find an audience, but it's going to be
1: a weird audience. <laughs> well, good. I like a weird audience. Yeah. And uh, second point given that society is on the verge of collapse, <laughs> uh, how do you feel that HBO Max is first uh, at first taking down Gone with the Wind? given the shocker that it's a romantic view of the Old South along with a positive view of slavery, then being put back with John Ridley and a couple other people giving the film greater context. Let me just say that this is my sister's favorite film as she always knew the film was racist, but that doesn't stop her from loving the film. I also happen to live in Virginia where most of the Civil War battles took place. Also, our governor has been trying to get rid of the Robert E. Lee statue in Richmond. Uh, therefore, I don't feel the need to be lectured by John Ridley of all people. Sincerely, Michael Radge. Um, um We've actually talked about the Gone with
0: the Wind thing I think on... Um... Yeah. Yeah, on yeah. a recent podcast I can't remember which one but um, yeah for those of you who may have missed it HBO Max uh, you know, premiered their streaming service and one of the films that they have been promoting really heavily as being part of the streaming service is Gone with the Wind which is if you adjust for inflation still one of the most profitable movies ever made it won a ton of Academy Awards and for many generations it was very very popular amongst a lot of people but um, even at the time people were acknowledging that it is a heavily romanticized view of the antebellum south and there are incredibly racist...
1: Stereotypes. Stereotypes, yeah.
0: and, and and indeed ideas and oh. ideologies that are promoted uh, by that film. It's not necessarily everything about the film, but it's pervasive. Yeah. And I think everyone who doesn't enjoy Gone with the Wind for those reasons is totally right to do so. Yeah. Um, however, there's a lot of people who grew up with the movie focusing on different things, and... Again, it, it's, it's, it's it's
1: such a huge movie. There's a lot to focus yeah. on. Yeah,
0: and I'm, and, I, and I'm not saying Gone with the Wind is brilliant and we should all forgive it and we should mm. all move on. Like, no, if it pisses you off, don't fucking see it. But um, it's the kind of movie that I think demands context. If you don't need that context, you can probably skip whatever introduction they're offering on HBO Max. Yeah. I'm sure there's a fast-forward yeah. button. But, however, I do believe that it's the kind of movie in which the racism inherent to it is very insidious. It's such a romantic overwhelming movie about how great the white slave owners mm. were in the era and how tragic it was that the north took away mm. this wonderful
1: hence, hence th- the title it's gone with yeah, the wind it's, it's intensely this big romantic, fucked up yeah.
0: but when you if you're young <clears throat> and you're experiencing the story for the first time and you're not given the, the all of the social context for it mm. it's impossible that you could overlook because a lot of people have over the over the generations mm-hmm. the incredibly ugly qualities have gone mm-hmm. with the way. So I understand wanting to take it off the service. Um I think Warner Brothers is making probably the best call available by giving it context. I think that more streaming services should curate their content and offer know introductions and ancillary material especially for older films or films from different generations and and uh, Mm -hmm. outdated mindsets Um, because I think Gone with the Wind is now like just a part of history an ugly part of history Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's probably how it should be presented as a part of history and not this just like thing that we are unabashedly proud of we're not unabashedly proud of Gone with the Wind there's a lot to be ashamed of in Gone with the Wind but I know a lot of people who grew up, or parents who grew up like really loving it, and I understand what you were focusing on, but I also think a lot of people were focusing on the wrong things.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, that statue of Robert E. Lee in Richmond, Virginia uh, is a lot of people are petitioning to have it taken down. Yeah. Another important uh, figure in, in cultural history is also from Richmond, Virginia, and there's a petition circulating to replace uh, Robert E. Lee with Odorous Arungus from Guar. On the Robert E. Lee statue, because Odo Rosarungus is from Richmond, Virginia. Guar is from Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. And uh, if you go to change.org, you're going to find the petition to get Guar on Robert E. Lee's horse. I support this. I want everyone (laughs) to sign this. You can even give money to the cause if you're feeling particularly jaunty and, and flush. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Odorous orungus is a far more important cultural figure than Robert E. Lee in the modern age. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that uh, although there are a lot of things are important
0: to our history, mm-hmm. whether it's the history of an art form <laughs> or the history of a nation, um, that doesn't mean we should always be proud of those things. It doesn't mean that uh, it, there isn't a time to move on from those things. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the time to move on was immediately... And we've been clinging for way too long. Mm. Um, but uh, in some cases, it takes people too long to realize a lot of the negativity surrounding something. And the time is now to change. So, yeah. Anyway, it's it, it's an issue that has been intensely debated. I, a lot of people have said things way more eloquent than Whitney or I could about it. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah. Anyway, I guess we should move on.
1: All right. uh, here's a letter from B. Peterson. Hello, B. Peterson. Hi. Uh, dear Bibbs and Shasta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for calling me Shasta. Okay. I, I explained on a previous Letters episode that uh, before I was born, my parents were considering two mountains to name me after. If I was a boy, I was going to be named after Mount Whitney. And if I was a girl, I would have been named after Mount Shasta. Nice. I would have been named Shasta Cybold. It's got a good ring to it. I, I suppose so. But, yeah. you know, my my, career, my careers are limited after that, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> I don't know I think hmm. that sounds
0: awesome I don't know yeah. there's S- a lot Supreme, of names that
1: are hard, that are difficult Supreme when Court Justice Shasta Seibel doesn't really oh kind of you'd be it, the yeah.
0: best Supreme Court Justice ever think about like how many there's a lot of names that are rough when you're a kid but when you're adult you're the coolest motherfucker ever <laughs>
1: like, you're so fucking cool like, you're like Wolf Blitzer you're like, like, a bo- <laughs> you're like a boy named Sue it's like yeah. <laughs> I know you'd have to get life is rough and you'd have to get tough uh, Dear Bism Shasta the auteur theory for me doesn't hold water mm. Uh, it makes sense that we give the director as opposed to others credit for authoring a film, but they alone are not responsible for a film unless, of course, they literally did make it by themselves, like with Don Hertzfeld's It's Such a Beautiful Day. Hmm. Uh, that said, I started decorating my walls with portraits of my favorite directors, because people are beautiful. Oh, that's nice. On said walls, to name a fraction of these present, are Lynn Ramsey, hmm. Barry Jenkins, Bo were Apichatpongwarasethakul, Celine Shiyama, David Lynch, Jafar Panahi, and Hayao Miyazaki. That's a really cool wall. <laughs> I love looking up and being reminded of all the great cinema they and along with their collaborators have bought me. Who would be on your wall?
0: Oh, that's fun. <laughs>
1: and uh, the, uh, B suggests John Carpenter for William or Richard Linklater for Whitney. Uh, I think it's
0: fair to say both of those people would be on our, uh, our wall. Um, yeah, who would be on? Okay, so if I'm putting together like like a dream board, of, like, filmmakers mm. who have inspired me and make me want to push myself and change my life. Who's on that wall? Mm. Okay, so John Carpenter is, is yes. Maybe about the first one I would have thought of, but yeah. All right. Um, Orson Welles. Okay. Uh, would be on that list. Um, let's see. Preston Sturges. Um, Hayao Miyazaki, mm-hmm. Mamoru Hosoda. Satoshi Kon. Both of them are anime filmmakers. Really mm. wonderful. Oh, that's ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> Who else? Wes Craven. Yeah, a, uh, I think it would be on my list. Like your, as well. your,
1: your your Mount Rushmore on your college dorm wall.
0: Yeah, uh, Akira Kurosawa. Uh, um, yeah. um, hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> interesting. Spike mm-hmm.
1: Lee. Okay. Um, hmm. Kind of hard to hard hard it's to hard come to, up with them on the spot. Oh, Buster you know? Keaton, definitely. Okay.
0: Um, oh, um, oh, why am I blinking? Say some names, damn it. What are you doing? <laughs> why are you well, putting this all on me? Oh, my, oh, I no, thought, I thought you were just
1: sort of brainstorming. I wanted to hear I what, what else you come up with. Um, uh, my, Charles my, Burnett. Okay. My, um, mine are pretty easy. I'd have, uh, I'd have John Waters up there. William Castle. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, Kurosawa and Bergman. No question. Sure. And... Lynn Ramsey. I would put Lynn Ramsey on there. Le, as well. Yeah, Lynn Ramsey. So, I not? need to so, see more of Celine Shyama's you know, films. Celine Sciamma is really, really good. Portrait of a
0: Lady on Fire alone um, earns a spot. Oh, I mean, David Lynch. I'll put David Lynch.
1: <laughs> yeah, David Lynch is. Uh, oh, Cronenberg. Huge, huge uh, presence in my life. I oh, would definitely put Cronenberg mm. on there. Uh, Frank Henenlotter. Mm. Guillermo <laughs> del Toro, maybe. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. there's a just, lot of cool filmmakers but you know, out there, man. this is just a list of our favorite filmmakers well kind of but like
0: i think it's the i think the difference is it's the people who have like it's important to remember that i think this email started with sort of decrying auteur theory because Mm. auteur theory is only one of many lenses through which we can view uh cinema Mm. and a lot of people heard about auteur theory and then just stopped there no. and that's not how it should be uh, but there are certain filmmakers who put a definite stamp on their material people who seem to be attracted to similar kinds of stories or storytelling styles um, that we respond to mm. consistently um, and I think that's goes above and beyond like for example I wouldn't put Don Siegel on my list even though he's made several mm. of my favorite movies right. because he doesn't really have that sort of signature stamp yeah that's fair you know so um yeah, that's a that's a fun idea, and I and I like that idea as long as right. um you're you're as long as you preface it as you did with, we're not putting them all on a pedestal;
1: they're just inspiring
0: us, and that's right. a good thing.
1: Well, yeah. I, and, and I've I've said this before when Roger Ebert just uh, dis- was I'm not sure if he suggested this or if he was commissioned, but uh, he decided to start writing a series of essays on what he called The Great Movies.
0: Oh, that's a really indispensable and it's yeah, and, thing.
1: Yeah. And it, they've actually been published in several books. I think there's three volumes of just mm. nothing but his essays on The Great Movies. A lot of them, they, and, they used uh, to all be
0: online. I don't know if they
1: still are. I think they're still on his website. You okay. can go to rogerubert.com and yeah. they're all still there. Um, but he was very... Uh, deliberate in choosing the term "great movies" rather than "the greatest movies," mm. because he's not trying to separate these off from other films. He's mm-hmm. not trying to canonize anything. And
0: it wasn't like a rigid list where he did yeah. hundred and he was done. He, he just he kept would add on to doing it every at least every month or because
1: so. there's uh, every other week he would write a great movies essay. Mm-hmm. And I, and I when he was alive, I was actually waiting for him to keep on mm-hmm. doing that. I was following his great movies essay yeah, because
0: any movie could mm. be suddenly be reevaluated and be part mm-hmm. of the great movie. Or was just waiting for its opportunity or, or to be a great movie, or was brand new and yeah. I knew right away that it was one of the great movies. It happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of film critics are kind of gun shy mm. about calling a movie one of the great movies, but every, I think every every year or two, there's at least a couple. Yeah, that They're, like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, for example, where we're just watching it mm. and like instant classic. Yeah, this, yeah. this, this, this is, is this is a great movie. Holy shit. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Portrait yeah. of a Lady on Fire so yep. much. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's well, that's but that's fun, and I think it's a real positive no. thing. So yeah.
1: Uh, Here's a letter from Richard. Hello, Richard. Uh, Greetings from the hinterlands of Minnesota. Please don't take what I'm about to say personally because I don't mean to castigate you. Uh oh However, I strongly disagree when either of you say emphatically that this movie was about this and this movie is about that. When an artist releases Mm. their art to the public, what they intend to say becomes meaningless. It is up to the viewer to interpret the art and come up with their own conclusion. You, me, and my mother could see a film or look at a painting or listen to a song and all come up with a different answer to what it meant, but all three of us would be correct in our assessments. Mm. Nobody sees the same thing the same way uh, your I see things nobody hears exactly the same thing we hear we are all individuals and we will have a different take on whatever art we see sometimes the differences of those uh those takes will be small and inconsequential and sometimes they will be diametrically opposed but we are both correct there is no absolute way, way to interpret art as it is all up to the individual as always thank you for your hard work and entertaining us richard um Uh, that's fair um yes it's fair but we are critics we put ourselves in a position of authority (laughs) and such as such we have to speak authoritatively well i'm not sure if
0: that's how i would put it Uh, um i think you're you're, but that's how i would put it i I, here's i i'm trying to remember how i've said it it's um Mm -hmm. i describe film criticism as uh the art of um making qualitative statements through quantitative observation okay um qualitative statements are subjective the quantitative stuff is supposed to be the stuff we can
1: agree on. So mm. if I say, almost like almost like scientific theory,
0: yeah, a little bit. Like it's it's. But the but the uh, the takeaway is entirely subjective, and we can all mm. differ in that regard. But the idea is, if I look at a movie and I say, I see this movie and I think it's about this. Mm. If I don't back that up with here are the reasons why I think this is, and here are things that you, if you saw the film. And chose to focus on these things, you could see what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You might disagree with me, but I think you could at least see where I'm coming from. That I think is the art of film criticism in a nutshell. Um, it is the art to, it is the an attempt to encourage people to view films through. No, that's, not, that's not that's not the case. It's an attempt to explain the lens through which you view a film. Yeah. Yeah. and if other people share that lens okay if other people don't share that lens that's fine too but now
1: they've heard this other perspective when it, we it is it is hoped that we are able to do this skillfully enough that people can uh, see our point of view and perhaps be enlightened to something they perhaps hadn't considered before
0: and beyond that mm. wouldn't it be great if it was also entertaining mm. that's film criticism but when we say what we think a movie is about mm. if we prefaced every single opinion every single qualitative, uh, uh, thought that mm-hmm. we had about a work of art, if we added "I think" or "I feel" or "In mm-hmm. my opinion" to every single one, you couldn't get through a paragraph.
1: No, and it, it's it's also um, like if, if you handed in a paper like that to a, a college professor, they would give you a low grade because mm-hmm. that's it's too wordy. It's not confident it, language, and it's and it's repetitive as well because the implication is because you are making
0: qualitative statements. We in my edit- opinion you know, is implied we are editorialists after all but I think it's worth noting that the reason why a lot of people want to bring this up and remind film critics of this mm. is because there is a risk sometimes of someone who is in a position of being a critic for a living or, or at least a lot mm. uh, to start thinking that your opinion is greater than others and it's not no, no, it's no. not. That's not the case at all. But what I and a lot of other people, Whitney and mm. other people that I know and respect, uh, can say is that we're pretty confident in our opinion. We we Wait, don't we have to be. It's well, our job. Yeah, we, if I feel a certain way about a film, I need to be able to explain why I feel that way, and I need to feel pretty sure that's how I feel. Mm. Otherwise, I can't really write about it confidently. So I will speak confidently and if you disagree that's 100% cool and if occasionally we need to remind people that Whitney and I are not placing ourselves on the top of a pyramid and shouting down at
1: everybody who's listening to the podcast mm. think the way we think like we're not we don't want to do that no, no we no, definitely, definitely don't want to do definitely that definitely not no. but uh, but we we do have to display a certain kind of confidence in our own opinions yeah uh, otherwise we wouldn't be very good critics mm
0: but that, but that being said, every single thing you wrote in that email is true. Yeah. It's true. It's okay. just oftentimes in order to get through our day job, we have to let that be... In, it, kind of a given. A given. That's yeah. implied. Um, but we do every once in a while need to restate mm-hmm. it. This is something that I find myself in a weird position in because I've been writing and talking and podcasting and doing YouTube videos about movies for so long. Mm. Every once in a while, I need to repeat or go back to a subject I tackled many years ago. And in my head, I think I already wrote about that. But
1: yeah. <laughs> that website is dead now. <laughs> the website no longer exists. That article is gone. And like I, I put down, put the button on this. Oh wait, that was like a decade ago. Yeah, oh, and like maybe
0: maybe the the thing deserves to be reevaluated by me, by
1: others. Maybe
0: someone is just new. Young people are getting into the art form. There are mm-hmm. people are getting into the art form at all different stages in their life. And they need to hear these things for the first time sometimes. So I actually am really, really glad you wrote in. I'm really, really glad that you gave us an opportunity to remind people that that it is and should be the baseline of film criticism. Yeah. Is that, yes, it is opinion. It is subjective. There's more that goes into it than that, but that is fundamental mm. to art criticism because art is subjective.
1: Yeah, we're, we're, we're what we're doing is... We're saying we're right because that is our job, but we are not saying we are more right than somebody else. Yeah, because
0: we're because art is subjective and what we see in it isn't necessarily invalid. Hmm. We can state with confidence. Yeah, I see this movie this way. Hmm. If you see the movie another way. Great. I can't wait to have that conversation. That's fantastic. As long as we can be polite about it. I don't care if we're both confident about it. Yeah. That's not something that needs to lead to anger, which sometimes happens on Twitter. Mm. Um, it can just be like, I think this movie's bad. I think this movie is good. Cool.
1: <laughs> That's not very helpful, is it? No, like
0: it, it can't end there. But if mm. we want to have a conversation about it, it's okay to start from a position of strength. Mm. And But we, at some point you do have to remind yourself and you do have to acknowledge, what if this person is right? Every time someone debates me on a movie, whether it's in person or in Twitter or whatever... Mm. And they're coming at it from a different perspective. My first thought isn't, how do I defend myself? Mm. My first thought is always, what if they're right? And I think Mm. about what if they're right. And I ask myself, what are they presenting to me to support their opinion? If it's nothing, I only have so much to go on. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably stay pretty firm in my opinion. But if they present to me other elements of the film that maybe i didn't really consider that maybe i didn't understand the context for um that or even just like oh that's a perfectly valid way to look at this and even though i disagree i can totally respect that Mm. that's a great conversation to have that's a valuable conversation to have. that's what film criticism is all about it's one of the reasons why i say everyone's a critic
1: (laughs) indeed yeah here's a letter from c just the letter c Mm, Mysterious That is very mysterious Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney uh, First off Don't worry Bibbs Take all the time you need Off social media Thank you Uh, I've had depression For most of quarantine And only now I'm starting to feel Like myself again Twitter definitely Makes it feel worse Well I'm glad You're feeling better That's really wonderful Uh, On that note Lately I've been trying To search for positive Fantasy and science fiction Movies slash TV shows And I'm disheartened To find the majority Of modern stories To be told in the Dark gritty and depressing uh, the quest for positivity has been bleak, to say the least. I want to ask what your recommendations for positive fantasy and science fiction films would be. Okay. A few that come up uh, with the first few seasons of Eureka and Warehouse 13 for TV and still working on movies. Uh, anywho, I hope the two of you and your families are doing well. Stay safe. Sincerely. See. Uh, well, I mean, Star Trek, of course, but... Star Trek is one of the good examples, yeah. The uh, There was that whole decade, remember? <laughs> the 2000s? Yeah. When uh, the... Just... The modus operandi of all of Hollywood seemed to be make it gritty. Yeah. And yeah, everything was being sort of rebooted, but it was being made sort of hefty and heavy and uh, kind of we a lot more serious. serious. How can we make this a lot? What What's the, the real meat in here? What kind of death can we throw in here? And, and that is that's uh, a valid
0: approach. That's I'm not saying that that's a bad way to do a movie, but if that's the like, only way people are doing a movie for a while, it gets a little bit well,
1: if, if you're doing it skillfully, then it's fine. And yeah. if you're actually examining something real, that's fine. But when you're just sort of doing it... A because it's a trend, and B you think uh, darkness is somehow the same thing as maturity. Then that's incredibly adolescent. Yeah, cynicism
0: uh, is not the same thing as maturity. Being jaded is not the same thing as maturity. It's it's
1: usually <laughs> antithetical. I'll quote the movie Slacker: "Withdrawing in disgust is not the same thing as apathy."
0: That's true. Yeah. So like yeah, wanting your
1: f- sci-fi fantasy movies to present
0: a positive view of the world Mm. is not retreating from reality it's not being immature it's not rejecting the idea that fantasy and sci-fi can be serious and even Mm. grim which isn't necessarily a bad thing uh it is saying that it can also be positive and positivity is part of a real life experience too Mm. that's great there is a new genre of uh, uh, a relatively new genre of sci-fi mm. that I've been exposed to uh, because uh, my wife and partner, Michelle, is an author. Uh, her name is M. Lapas de Silva, and mm. she wrote uh, a story in a collection. Well, I want to make sure I get the title right because mm. uh, it's actually really good. Um, it's nice. <laughs> uh, anyway, the genre is called solar punk. Uh-huh. Instead of cyberpunk... Instead of ste- uh, steampunk, solar mm. punk, and the collection I'm thinking of is called Glass and Garden Solar Punk Summers. Um, solar punk is about looking into the future and not seeing everything being bleak. Okay. Because the idea of, for example, and I'm, gonna, I'm not an expert on this, but the idea of, you know, a future technology that is solar renewable energy powered is one that suggests that humanity can actually improve through technology. Yeah. Um, so I... F- Thoroughly support positive sci-fi fantasy. Some examples of positive sci-fi fantasy that aren't grim and gritty. That doesn't mean they don't have serious elements to them. And
1: also that you haven't seen already. I mean, all of those superhero movies have big, happy endings, but but you've probably seen those. You're familiar with those. Yeah, so so what are some
0: good examples Mm. of films that have a lot of sci-fi elements or fantasy elements Mm. but are not bleak? A filmmaker I already mentioned already, uh, an anime filmmaker named Mamoru Hosoda. Um, has made several films with sci-fi and fantasy elements that are actually incredibly life affirming Mm. Uh, films like the girl who leapt through time about a girl who discovers that if she takes like a flying leap, like without any, um, without holding herself back and just jumping into something, Mm. she can actually jump around in time and make little changes into her life. Um, He also did a film called summer wars, which is one of my favorite movies. Which is about a family reunion and also the end of the world and also about how uh, the, inter- the interconnectivity of family and the interconnectivity of the world through technology can be very, very similar and that they can be very self-destructive, but it's also a thing that can bring us all together and bring us all closer. I cry like a baby at the happy ending <laughs> of this movie. It's really, really great. He also did films like Mirai and Wolf mm. Children and these are all very, very positive fantasy films. What else comes mm. to mind? Uh,
1: Flash Gordon. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, there's, there's some <laughs> there's, there's some elements this, of Flash Gordon that are you know outdated and, mm. and steeped in some weird pulp traditions, but it's mm. actually a very cheerful film.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredibly upbeat. Um, yeah. I, I I feel the same way about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I feel the same way about uh, Speed Racer the movie. Yes. That, that's a fantasy film writ it large. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's huge and colorful. Uh, Wizard of Oz? And, yeah, speaking of the Wachowskis, Cloud Atlas is a huge bomb. It's mm-hmm. got a, uh, some bad racial politics in it, but I understand what, uh, why they made the decisions they did for that movie. Yeah, yeah, we can
0: disagree with them, uh, but um, yeah,
1: they're in there. Um, And and that is very much about just sort of the the vast tapestry of human existence and how our interconnectivity is the thing that's going to save us. Here's a wonderful sci-fi film that almost nobody saw. It came out on a Mm. crowded summer and then
0: just left and hardly anyone's mentioned it since. It's called Earth to Echo.
1: Earth to Echo is pretty good. Earth
0: to Echo is a wonderful, it's a found footage sci-fi film, but the mm. found footage element isn't a gimmick. It's actually like tied into the plot where an alien uh, robot crash lands on Earth. Mm. And it is communicating to a group of kids to, to come help save it through their cell phones. And it's broken, and it can only see through the cameras and their phones. Yeah. And the idea of the movie is that it's kind of like The Goonies. It's kind of like all these other like family-friendly kids on an adventure films, but in a modern way in which technology actually gives them an opportunity to have adventures they couldn't otherwise have. Like, there's yeah. a whole bit where... And these kids are, like, 13... They have to drive a car in order to save the day. None of them have ever driven before, and they're looking it up on their phone. Information is available. (laughs) Information in which to have an adventure and do not get themselves killed Mm -hmm. is available to them through technology. And in the end, you know, there's a bit of a melancholy where, yeah, we're all going to grow up and we're all going to move apart, but technology will keep us connected in the end, won't it? It's actually really lovely, and it's got a lot of humor in it. I like that movie a lot.
1: I I understand why it was overlooked. I loved Earth Deco. I think it's really terrific. Uh, But... It, it's all, it also compared to like what we've become used to. It feels very slight. Yeah. I mean, I'll take earth to echo over, you know, a hundred super eights, mm-hmm. which was trying to go for a similar vibe, but it was well, just it, clunky and stylish. It wasn't trying to go actually, for similar yeah. vibe.
0: It was trying to be ET. Yeah, and I think yeah. earth to echo was just trying to be earth to echo. And I think mm. that was a stronger approach. I couldn't tell you like the third act of super eight. If you put a gun, to <laughs> I remember the you setups. Know, I just couldn't tell you.
1: The three nostril aliens started sucking up all the metal and this symbol that wasn't a symbol until that moment in the movie like the kid let it go and it flew toward the alien and, no
0: gone, it's yeah, totally gone. i remember the setup like the whole train disaster and everything yeah. all that stuff was really cool See, yeah.
1: event horizon is very popular no i'm kidding um uh, uh <laughs> the martian ridley scott's the martian oh, that's is a, good a really example. terrific yeah. movie. uh in 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 a world where people don't believe science <laughs> Uh, it is incredibly uh, uplifting to say to see a film like The Martian, where it shows that having a lot of actual scientific knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, engineering wherewithal, and most importantly in The Martian, good humor mm-hmm. will save us as a species. Yeah. Uh, the Martian is freaking awesome. It really is. I the think it's one of Ridley best Scott's picture, best films. Yeah, it is just so, so good. Yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott, to my eye, hasn't made a lot of good movies. Uh, he's made a couple of good but, movies. I think he's made mostly good movies
0: good movies he's he's made some real stinkers mm. he's made a handful of stone cold 100 percent mm. all-time classics like
1: yeah like th- two or three if you're feeling generous like stone oh. cold classics
0: okay okay hold on hold yeah. on let's litigate this
1: okay uh, no, must we do go, go down okay. this road you know what you're right. right it's, it's besides <laughs> the point I,
0: I like ridley scott more than right. you and we'll just leave it at that but um i'm trying to think if there are any other, i mean there there are there are tons so, of others i mean
1: just you know et for no, us, works then. with Miyazaki
0: or an obvious mm. one um Um, But, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, uh, why don't you, uh, uh, if anyone at home wants to talk about uh, some of their favorite sci-fi fantasy movies that are actually, like, positive and inspiring, especially ones that we haven't mentioned, Mm -hmm. especially if there's one that people maybe have missed, um, please uh, email us. And we would love to uh, highlight some more of them because I think Mm -hmm. this is something that needs to be treated with a little bit more respect, the idea that our fantastical fiction doesn't need to be darkness it can be a light in the darkness Mm -hmm.
1: oh uh I I wasn't very fond of the film I actually thought it was actually really rather badly made but uh, a wrinkle in time was really well received by certain people (sighs) I've seen that new one yeah, I feel bad about that I am uh, so excited I'm, when it came out I was a I never huge fan that. of the books and I liked every, like everything that was coming at me like all the decisions and it's like oh great director great cast yeah. all these cool decisions some cool looking special effects oh this is a mess mm. they really didn't think this one through well, that's too bad yeah, yeah I, I didn't like the Wrinkle in Time film but the film the, possesses a lot of the big ideas from the book and it and if has you're a lot of fans from, there are people yeah. who if, really love how that went and if you're not together. familiar with the book then you're going to be getting the ideas from the film and you might actually be a lot more exhilarated by that.
0: But I know some people Mm -hmm. who are just absolute hardcore to the death fans of that movie. So there might be more to it. Yeah.
1: Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, Here is a letter from uh, Ryko. Hi, Ryko. Hi, Ryko. We've heard from Ryko before. Uh, Hello, Bibbs and Duke McCool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my, new, my, new, my new first name is Duke. Guess uh, Duke. As a Canadian, mm. I was thrilled that you answered a question about good Canadian films. You had some really good suggestions, but do you mind if a proud Canadian suggests a few more? I wouldn't mind at all. Please, uh. please, this is really exciting. Uh, a tonarjuaat, the fast runner from two thousand one. Oh yeah. I feel bad about not mentioning this. Yeah, directed by Inuit filmmaker Zacharias Kunuk, the film tells uh, is is a telling of an Inuit legend about a hunter who is pursued across the tundra by the men who murdered his brother. Fascinating and thrilling. about about a, cre- a culture that is rarely presented in film, uh, really one of the best Canadian films ever made. Crazy from 2005, directed oh. by Jean- Jean-Marc Valet I vaguely remember this. Who yeah. is better known for in the states for Dallas Buyers Club uh, and the first season of Big Little Lies. This is a coming-of-age story of a gay man growing up in a conser- with a conservative father in Montreal during the 60s. Uh, bon cop, bad cop. <laughs> oh, that there is no more Canadian a title. <laughs> And born cop, bad. Cop. I always meant to see this, and every other yeah, from 2006. <laughs> an action comedy with a Canadian twist an Anglophile cop from the Ontario Provincial Police is forced to team up with a Francophone detective from the Srette du Québec uh, when a body is found splayed across the Ontario Quebec border. Jesus <laughs> silly but fun. Basically, this premise is used by the 2011 Danish TV series The Bridge. Which has been remade at least twice by other countries. The Anglophone Cop is portrayed by one of my favorite <coughs> Canadian actors, Colm Fiore.
0: Oh, Colm Fiore is great. Yeah.
1: Uh, Goon. We did forgot to mention. How did we oh, forget Goon? I didn't
0: realize Goon was technically a Canadian film. Yeah, it was, okay. it
1: was, it was written by Jay Baruchel. Yeah, it was, but like, like super Canadian. You know,
0: sometimes the distinction of is it a Canadian film or is it just an American film about. Canadian stuff, yeah. or with Canadian actors like, in it, that can be a little blurry. But Goon and the sequel are really
1: good. I love both. I never movie. saw the sequel, but I do love Goon. So
0: the sequel is solid. Okay. The sequel is like one of the better sports movies sequels I've seen outside yeah. of the Rocky series. Uh, but
1: the, the write up is, uh, what would list? What would a list of Canadian films be without a hockey movie? This is probably uh, the film most of your viewers would be familiar with. Uh, Damn, this movie is fun and a surprising amount of heart. On a side note, we Canadians consider Slapshot from 1977 to be one of the best Canadian films ever, even though it was not financed by Canadians, nor directed by a Canadian, nor does it star Canadians. (laughs) And the fact that it doesn't take place in Canada.
0: (laughs) Slapshot is also great. I actually really love hockey movies, even Mm. though I'm not a huge fan of sports in Uh, general. There's a lot of really good <laughs> hockey movies out there. Slapshotting the two goons are yeah, But, but he
1: says, if you've ever played hockey in Canada at any level, you'll realize that this is a friggin' documentary. <laughs> Uh, the Last Night, 1998. We have this in our home, and I haven't watched it Which yet. Which nice? uh, uh, An intimate film about a group of people and how they live out their last day on Earth because they know the world is going to end Oh, at yeah, yeah. It was directed by Don this. McKellar and stars yeah. Sandra O, Sarah Polly, and believe it or not, David Cronenberg. My favorite character is played by Callum Keith Rennie, who is basically trying to outlive his, <laughs> live out as many sexual, of his sexual fantasies as possible with as little time as he has left. There you go. Uh, Pontypool. Oh,
0: yeah. I've heard actually, a lot,
1: heard a lot about Pontypool. I've
0: never got around to seeing Pontypool. I've heard nothing but amazing yeah. things about this horror movie.
1: 2008. Yeah. I watched the vast of night based on your recommendation and really liked it. It reminded me of the movie Pontypool directed by Bruce McDonald's. The amazing Stephen McHaddy plays a radio DJ in Pontypool, Ontario, who keeps getting calls from people reporting random attacks by crazed people. The virus making people violent seems to be passed from person to person through language. <laughs> and that, that's a film for people who live near Quebec. <laughs> What? Well, Quebec has language police.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, the 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 province of Quebec actually had like has like legit government officers who ensure that a certain amount of like public signage and uh public works is in French. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what you mean. Yeah, now, there's a great Canadian uh comedy troupe uh called the Frantics. Was not, it, the, I don't the, know. Is it the Frantics? No. forgot it. It wasn't the Frantics. But uh they they uh, did this really wonderful sketch about a, a British man who had opened a British restaurant and he's approached by the, the Canadian language police and saying, you have to change all the names of, of your dishes. Mm. It's like, but this this is an English restaurant. They have to be in English. And of course they, they have to change things to, in funny ways. I get it. Hmm. Uh, also recommended Radius 2017. This is a science fiction thriller written and directed by Caroline Labrèche and Steve Leonard. Uh, the directors are from Quebec, but the movie is in English. A man wakes up in a car accident with amnesia and soon finds that anyone who gets within 50 feet of him instantly dies. Ooh, <laughs> a wonderful that's hidden a, gem. That's a fun idea. I like that. <laughs> Uh, I could go off for hours. So I'm just going to end with a few Canadian titles. I enjoy Eastern promises. Yeah. Uh, Foolproof. Hmm. Cube. I think we mentioned cube.
0: I think we mentioned cube. Yeah. If
1: not, we should have, because um, that's a really fun movie. Encendie. Uh, Enemy. Mm-hmm. The decline of the American empire. 32 chairs about uh, Elliot Gould. I think you mean Glenn Gould. It's Glenn Gould. 32 sh- films about Glenn Gould. Uh,
0: I, 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 I'm mad. I forgot to mention that.
1: Yeah. yeah. That movie is Thir- brilliant. 32 yes. short films about Glenn Gould. Uh, Exotica and roadkill. Mm. Uh, I think we mentioned Exotica. Uh, but yeah hmm. thank you uh sincerely raiko uh, aka canada rocks thank you so much for
0: that it's interesting that like we share a continent with canada hmm. and there's so many canadian films that are barely heard of in america yeah and i'm really really grateful that you took the time uh to educate us there's a couple of cool films on there i'll have to check out hmm. radius sounds really cool yeah you know, I'll have to check yeah. radius out that's
1: fun <laughs> well that's easy just move to wisconsin Oh no, not Wisconsin. Move to Wyoming. Wyoming there's fewer fewer people in Wyoming. Yeah, okay, fine. I think you're just living
0: oversimplifying the point, but all right.
1: <laughs> just <laughs> Be, be prepared. You're going to kill a lot of people getting there.
0: All right, all right. Let's do. Uh, let's do one uh, or two more. Okay.
1: Here's a letter from Mark. Hi, Mark. Uh, hey, Whitney and Bibbs. I've recently been going through watching the films of Martin Scorsese again. Oh. Uh, last night I got around to watching Bringing Out the Dead again. I haven't seen this one in years and forgot how good it was. It feel, I feel it's very under and very underrated Scorsese film. So I was wondering, what are some of your underrated films by your favorite directors? Love the podcast, guys. Stay safe and healthy, oh. Mark. Oh, that's a good question. Um, mm.
0: let's see here. Um. Well, we just mentioned David Cronenberg. Mm. Um, I feel that David Cronenberg has a couple of underrated films. Um, uh, Dangerous Method, I think, got largely overlooked when it came out. It was seen as Mm. potentially a big Oscar contender, a la Eastern Promises and um, uh, History of Violence, and then it just kind of got overlooked. But it's actually like... It's an interesting period for him because he was, for most of his career, he was so interested in movies about the physical body that when he finally took that same uh, fascination and sometimes even paranoia and applied it to the mind, Mm -hmm. uh, he made something just as potent. Another one of his more underrated films is Spider, which is also about similar things, and those are both really, really great movies. What What else comes to mind?
1: Um a lot of people like to point to Darren Aronofsky as the maker of pie and Rick Graham mm. for a dream. And, and, and even the wrestler, he has these very heady, very intense movies. Uh, he made two films about the old Testament that are awesome <laughs> and they bombed. Uh, yeah. nobody saw Noah and nobody saw mother. And those are both awesome movies, mm. uh, because they are ambitious. We need, uh, these sort of, Film student freak out films, especially if a studio is willing to put like millions of dollars behind them. I remember when Mother came out, it was one of those. Like, it got some really on some sort of online poll, like Metacritic or something. It got a very low score, like one one of the few films to get an F. And uh, because I think they didn't really know how to sell this movie. It's like this weird Bible freak out. That's all completely a metaphor. And it all is. it it, it deals whatever your phobias are they're in there
0: too many too many movies are trying to sell themselves as an enigma Mm. sometimes that works as a marketing ploy but usually only if there's a lot of pre-existing interest Mm. um like probably no christopher nolan can get away with that most filmmakers can't tell us a little bit about what's in the movie (laughs) blade (laughs) runner kept putting out trailers and it's just like it's gonna look cool what's it about literally the first scene is a spoiler. That's not a spoiler. That's the first scene. You gotta tell us what. You gotta tell us why we should be interested in that. But back to the point at hand. Um, one of my favorite underrated filmmaker movies is actually the first film directed by Ang Lee. Mm. Uh, Ang Lee, of course, won the Academy Award for directing *Brokeback Mountain* and *Life of Pi*, and he directed *Sense and Sensibility* and a ton of other brilliant movies, and also a few crappy ones. Mm. Um, his first movie, on the other hand, is ne- almost ne- co- never
1: not interesting.
0: Never not interesting, mm. though. Very, very true. Uh, his first film is almost completely overlooked. In fact, I'm not even sure it's ever had a, like, a good DVD release. Uh, it's called Pushing Hands. Mm. Uh, it is about an old man who's a Tai Chi master. And not like in like a Kung Fu action epic kind of way, in that he teaches classes and his son has moved to America and has an American wife. And he expected that when he retired, he would move in with his children, as was sort of tradition mm. and... Um, that would be it we have a peaceful end to his existence and what he has discovered is that uh, the world has sort of moved on and there really isn't a place for him as an old man Hmm. anymore and he has to find a way like what he thought was the end of his story is actually a new beginning and how that incorporates tai chi i will not ruin for you but the fact that he's a tai chi master is not incidental yeah Excellent motion picture All right. v- Relatively muted stylistically Compared to what Angley would later do yeah. But uh, really really wonderful And absolutely worth checking out And I wish more people talked about it because it's great yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who are some of my
1: other favorite filmmakers uh, here. I'm not sure if this counts but mm. uh, the, you know the Coen brothers are really highly celebrated and they've yeah. made a lot of really great movies they've made a couple of stinkers as well they were nearly completely insignificant after the one-two punch of intolerable cruelty and in the lady killers
0: yeah that was intolerable a, was cruelty a bad... yeah those... and the
1: man who wasn't
0: the man who wasn't there was well received but not beloved yeah so that was an awkward period for them and, as and
1: I think I, I'm not going to defend those movies because I think they got what they deserved
0: yeah, they're not great. But
1: I am going to come to the rescue of Inside Llewyn Davis, which I think got like, got, like Oscar nominations. But a lot of people just sort of started shoving it aside.
0: There are, there's a certain and then there was school a, there was of a, film critics yeah. who have been on this movie from day one yeah. and calling it one of the best movies of the decade. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of other people who saw it as just another one of their films. Mm. I was someone who saw it, liked it. And thought, well, um, that's not going to be one of my favorites. Hmm. And what I have discovered is that I think about that movie all the time. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of their great movies about mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something that it's kind of hard for a lot of filmmakers to tell interesting stories about because it's mediocrity. It's kind hmm. of by definition, not, not the zenith. But uh, they find so much nobility in this almost Kafka-esque struggle to succeed in an art world um when you just aren't getting the breaks yeah, yeah you just aren't and that happens to so many people and who has, are very talented and they just never get the breaks and it sucks
1: he, he makes bad decisions he's yeah. got a bad attitude he's incredibly talented and that almost has nothing to do with it yeah. that's the tragedy of the piece yeah he's is that he's incredibly talented
0: yeah yeah really really excellent yeah. you're right
1: I'm, I'm not sure
0: how underseen that one is i'll tell you one that is is hail caesar Hail Caesar (laughs) is still waiting to be, like, rediscovered. Hail Hail Caesar
1: is funny. Hail Caesar is film critic porn, all right? It's... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, for, for like film critics who know a lot about Hollywood history and yeah. know about a lot about the very geography of the city of Hollywood and where celebrities were living in relation to one another yeah. and their relationships and the kinds of movies they were making at the time. It's sort of like a, hey, I get that. But I that's you, brilliant. But I think even if you don't get that, there's so much
0: blithe silliness. Well In that
1: movie all, That it's just all, a funny comedy surrounding Alden Ehrenreich I think the, the rest of the story oh, Is kind of
0: I think Channing Tatum Has some wonderful bits In that movie I think George mm. Clooney Has some wonderful bits In that movie I think that movie Is quite wonderful But right. fair enough We can disagree on that Oh I just had another one too Damn mm. it Um Oh It was a
1: film <laughs> <laughs> Hold on <laughs> Well, well, was it, it was it a film? Okay, it well. totally
0: narrows it down. Well, I, I've, it?
1: I've seen that one and I disagree. Oh well,
0: I'm sorry. I blame, I blame myself. Uh, speaking
1: of Ang Lee, I'll go to Bat for his Hulk. Uh, no, sure. No, nobody likes that movie. I don't know why. It's it's a <laughs> it, it's colorful stylish weird analysis of what the Hulk exactly is there's a, it has me I, I don't like the fight at the end where he fights a cloud mm. but uh, I think <laughs> yeah I the think ending
0: they, the, the, the third act doesn't work but
1: there's well, a lot just of the, good the stuff fi- in movie. just the big climax where it all becomes very like special effects heavy that's Nick not Nick Nolte is on another level on
0: that film he's yeah. really amazing and um oh, look I'm turning
1: into the floor did
0: you ever see the rom-com this means war starring Chris Pine Tom Hardy and <laughs> Reese Witherspoon I did not I didn't see this, this one this movie came in. went
1: because uh, Chris Pine and Tom Hardy uh, don't have sex in the movie. Yeah. Uh, from what I, what I heard and so I've lost interest. It's
0: a, it's a weird movie about these two CIA agents who fall in love with the same woman and end up sort of sabotaging each other CIA style in order to win her heart. Um, I, it's, the cast is actually pretty good and they elevate the movie. There's two things in the movie I can't get behind. One, mm. at the end Reese Witherspoon has to make a choice and I think she picks the wrong guy. That's it. That's the, that's personal preference, but I'm like, I don't buy it. You picked the wrong guy every single time. No fucking way. You had more chemistry with that guy than the other guy. No fucking way.
1: Hmm.
0: Two. Chris Pine meets Reese Witherspoon at a video store. This is not a problem. They bond initially while talking about Hitchcock movies. Okay. Okay, I can see all of a sudden where you're interested in Chris Pine. Cool. But then the stuff they start saying about Hitchcock is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) About how, like, yeah, it was all downhill after the birds. None of the movies after the birds are good. Fuck you. Frenzy. Family Plot. Torn Curtain. There are good movies after that, you bastard. And if memory serves, and it's been a while since I've seen it, I think they even talk shit about The Lady Vanishes, which is wonderful. So if that's the, the party line about Hitchcock right now, that everything after the birds sucked <laughs> watch family plot i mentioned it recently it's like an early coen brothers movie it's amazing uh frenzy is one of the most fucked up serial killer movies of its era which is saying something uh, and the lady vanishes is one of the most charming light mm. thrillers ever filmed if those movies are considered underrated right now, re-rate them because they're great.
1: I would love for them to have bonded completely over Topaz. Yeah. Like, well, what are you getting? Topaz. I love Topaz. Mm-hmm. Me too. What an underrated <laughs> film. Well, we should, oh gosh, and the scene where, oh my goodness, yes, we, we both love Topaz. I am
0: very pointedly not recommending Topaz. <laughs> I I noticed. Topaz, I, I genuinely don't think that's a good movie like at all, <laughs> but I also know people who, who would fight me to the death on all that. Right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others that like real fast, so, yeah, like, like leap to mind.
1: Yeah, because there's a ton of great filmmakers. Well, you talked there. about uh, bringing out the dead. Uh, I saw, I haven't seen Bringing Out the Dead since I saw it in theaters back in '99, and I remember hating it. I remember it being uh, just so frantic, yeah, and, and so breathless, and it at felt the like same he was time trying to
0: do an MTV movie. Yeah, and at the same yeah.
1: time, so depressive. It's like I, I'm losing the thread here. I don't know what point yeah. you're trying to make anymore. And I read some reviews, like, four stars, and Roger Ebert gave it four stars. Like, what film did you guys watch? I'm not seeing anything that they're describing. Have you rewatched it since? Not since. I haven't seen it since then, so I I think I might need to. I caught, I was
0: on an airplane, and I caught, this was like a year ago, I caught, like, the first, like, 30 minutes or Mm. something like that, and I realized that, I owe this movie a rewatch, Okay. that maybe it's too frantic for its own good. I think that's probably a fair assessment based on what I saw and remember, But I also saw a lot of really interesting decisions, and Mm. I think I owe that movie a rewatch. I think that's fair. Um, Yeah. That said, not not all of Scorsese's movies are good. No, I think that's fair. I think Kundun is way too long. I know what he's getting at. Mm. It's still too long. (laughs) I'm just going to call it. I don't think Shutter Island is amazing. I think there's great stuff in it. I also think it's really predictable. It's incredibly predictable. I think the the twist is pretty obvious, but...
1: It's kind of... It's so predictable and such a pat thriller, it's kind of a wonder that someone like Scorsese would be attracted to it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people really, uh, really liked it, and I'm not begrudging
0: you that, but for me, it did did very little. Um, And uh,
1: I feel like Gangs of New York is... uh, it's sort of like Martin Scorsese carrying like a 4,000 page manuscript. He's carrying all of the page, like unbound pages in a big stack. And he's running to the office saying, look, look, I wrote this great big screenplay. Whoops. <laughs> and it spills everywhere. It's like this big ambitious blather of a movie.
0: I rewatched it recently, uh-huh. Gangs in New York, and I will say two things for it. The production design is fucking uncanny and the fact that that movie didn't win an academy award for production design is bullshit they
1: built a whole city and
0: it's amazing (laughs) and immaculate and it's full of detail it's fucking incredible mm. it deserves to be seen for that a lot it's also a little better than people remember it being it's it's a mess yeah. but it's it is pretty good the thing that i remember i remember people saying at the time that cameron diaz feels like she wandered in from the wrong set mm. that like she's giving a more modern performance on the rest of the film like mm. dana day lewis is doing this old-timey thing and like being really method and cameron and, and diaz and is, make, and
1: making up an accent nobody had yeah well mm.
0: nobody knows what the accent was back then yeah. so that's part of the the trick um but uh, again cameron diaz was giving more of a movie star performance mm. i think leonardo dicaprio is too i think <laughs> no, he's given sure. a lot of really great performances for martin scorsese i don't think Gangs in new york is one of them No,
1: for sure it is and, not And
0: i think honestly if you recast mm. yeah, maybe recast cameron diaz but i actually think if you recast dicaprio mm. that movie gets stronger
1: yeah
0: um as much as i love dicaprio as an actor i think he's a great actor sometimes but that's not his movie. No, that's I mean, not his it, movie. It, it is. Not. Anyway, um, there's a ton of great filmmakers who have underrated movies, especially if they're prolific. Mm. Um, we could do this all day, but uh, thank you mm. for writing. in. that's a fun thing.
1: And let's do one last one. One last one. Uh, here's here's a letter from Kyle. Hi Kyle. Hello Bibs and insert cool nickname here. Uh, my mm-hmm. name is Kyle Jens. Uh, even though this is the first time I'm writing to the mailbag, you you already said my name on a podcast before, but I never heard my name pronounced the way you guys did it. I like it. <laughs> Most people have a hard time knowing how to say it, so it's Jens. G-E-N-S is pronounced like Gen X or gens. Oh,
0: okay. Gen, yeah. Okay. I think I probably tried to throw mm. a little accent on like Jens. Jens. Gens.
1: Jeans. gens. Uh, thank you. I um,
0: apologize for getting it wrong. Thank you for correcting us. Yeah. I have a weird name,
1: so I understand. Mm. Question. What is the best made movie you dislike or hate? I often, hear, I often hear one of you say, I know it sucks, but I like it. But what is the opposite of that sentiment? I uh, uh, recommend for cancel too soon. Uh, any of the live action shows from the Cartoon Network, uh, mostly just Tower Prep. It is a live action high school sci fi horror drama made for the cart made for a Cartoon Channel. The episode is all about a bicycle. Th- the episode all about the bicycle thief made me love the show even more after everything I've learned from your guys' podcasts over the last couple of years. Well, I need to check that one out. That's Yeah, seriously. Okay. The episode devoted I'm, to bicycle I'm envy.
0: circling this uh, in my uh, notes. You can probably hear it.
1: Uh, and lastly, does the XFL meet the requirements for cancel too soon? <laughs> They brought it back. They brought it back. And it wasn't a spin-off. So I'm yeah, not so sure if actually has a set, so it doesn't anymore, but until <laughs> I, they brought it back. You know, we we actually joked about that a couple of times. Like, like could, we might do we that. Could we do the XFL? Um, uh, it's a fo- yeah, and, uh Kyle <laughs> describes it's a football league made by the WWE CEO Vince McMahon that only lasted one season back in 2002. Also the reboot this year that is filing filing for bankruptcy already. Uh, thanks again. Cheers, Kyle. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we, great... we, we talked. We talked about the the XFL. Like considering that, yeah. um, technically it is a one season wonder, but it's just a sports season, not a TV yeah. season. Uh, the funniest thing to come out of the XFL was a reference on The Simpsons. There's a there's know. a scene in episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer is sitting on the couch with his XFL cap, his XFL shirt, and a pennant. And he's like, I can't wait for the new season of the XFL. And 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 Marge wanders into the room and says. I don't know how to tell you this. The X is for extreme. <laughs> <laughs> They're not bringing the XFL back. What? What? Where did you hear this? Last year's MVP. He sweeps up hair at the barbershop now. <laughs> <laughs> um, when does
0: the movie The Sixth Day take place? Dwayne Schwarzenegger
1: movie. Oh, it takes place in like 2020
0: it's, or it's,
1: something. It's yeah, near near future. Yeah. It was
0: it, it. took place in the near future and the XFL was still around. Right, and we all oh, joked right. like, oh, oh, it's so inaccurate. And mm-hmm. they brought the XFL back. I'm like, shit, is Six thing going to happen mm-hmm. now?
1: But the question of uh, what is the opposite sentiment of I know it's I know it sucks, but I like it. Um, mm-hmm. I recognize. I know it's yeah. well made, but I don't enjoy it. I recognize I this is great, but I don't I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that happens mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, we sure. we see like a really slick, well made well-moneyed, great production design, well-acted, ostensibly solidly written blockbuster, and we're just sort of meh about it. Yeah. Uh, Being dazzled by all the usual stuff isn't going to work because it's usual. And just because you've done it incredibly well Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean that I'm going to be impressed.
0: Well, I I think it's interesting that what you went to was baseline competence Mm. or like just genuinely well-made, but... You know, in service of what? Like, so for example, you can look at almost any year for Best Picture, pick out like a Best Picture nominee that I'm like, yeah, it's well made, but is it Best Picture? Like, <laughs> um, like let me let me scroll down here a little oh, bit. So there like,
1: there's some uh, Best Picture nominees that are just forgettable, mediocre films. Yeah, extremely but, loud and but you have to close. actively really dislike movie. it. Okay,
0: like for example, um, you could look at a movie that's extremely maudlin, hmm. uh, but. Arguably, like it's trying to be maudlin, so I guess it's doing its job. So I'm like extremely loud and incredibly close. Mm. Which is trying to be this beautiful coming-of-age story about a child coming to terms with the death of his father who died uh, in the World Trade Center attack in uh, 9-11. I see what the movie is doing. Everything I don't like about that movie is an intentional choice by the filmmaker, I think it was Stephen Daldry, Mm. uh, to do that. He did it I know that there are people Who like it It got got nominated For Best Picture Somehow Hmm. Some people clearly liked it But for me It tipped its hand From emotional To schmaltz Hmm. I feel the same way about War Horse, which I think is Uh really overblown. And based, I've never seen the play, but based on what I know about the play, all the changes that they made to the way it was visualized seem like they're a distraction from the point of the story. Mm -hmm. So I can appreciate that it's gorgeously shot. I can appreciate that there are great moments in it, but it doesn't come together for me. I don't like it.
1: I I will defend War Horse. I feel like uh, it does reveal a lot about... uh, Spielberg, uh, as he evolved as a filmmaker and his views on war, this is the same guy who made Schindler's List. Mm -hmm. And he made another film about war that's actually kind of like nostalgic and warm. And one is about World War II and one is about World War I. And I'm wondering what it is about our popular perceptions about those separate wars Mm -hmm. in the mass American consciousness that would allow the same filmmaker to very grimly depict the actual horrific realities of World War II but deliberately shy away from violence and tell a story about a boy and his horse when it comes to World War One. I. I don't think War Horse
0: shies away from violence, but I think its approach is entirely different. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, just for the sake of clarity, mm-hmm. I think it, there's the scene where the horse gets like caught in barbed wire and everything mm-hmm. like that. that that's that's it, fucked up.
1: It's pretty harrowing, but I yeah. mean that's like one harrowing moment. You compared that to something like Schindler's List, which is mm-hmm. really trying to open your eyes to the true depth of the yeah. atrocity. Okay, here's a good example here: Birdman. Uh, which is a <laughs> movie
0: that there's, it's all this bravura one take, bit of wonder, and I'm impressed. I'm mm. legitimately impressed by the way you realize that story. But man, that story did not stick with me, mm. and that story came across in the end as frankly a lot of navel gazing. <laughs> um, it's not bad. Mm. I don't think it's best picture. There are worse films that have won best picture, but I have never had a desire to rewatch Birdman.
1: Mm. Never. I like. I get it. Yeah. I'm done. Thank you. We we tasted it. We know what it tastes like yeah. now. Yeah. And that is this
0: and there's a difference because like there are movies that one best picture for example like million dollar baby mm. where some people think it's great. I think the first half of that movie is great and then I think it really topples over into ham-fisted melodrama mm. and Mockish um, sentiment. I don't think it actually does its story any favors by the end. Um, know, anything else come to mind? Anything other like? Uh, not, uh,
1: not off the top of my head. I mean, there's there's always plenty. Everyone has. In it's their, tricky for us in, because in their if repertoire of, of felt, You know, they're in, throughout their the yeah. films they've consumed, the great films that they're just not turned on by.
0: It's it's tricky for us because when we don't like something, we have to be able to explain why. Mm-hmm um and oftentimes like if we say like this movie is bad but i enjoyed it i can go on from there and i can Mm -hmm. say i enjoyed it because it's got a wonderful charm to it it's very uh uh, quirky and a sense of humor is odd or Mm -hmm. uh it just takes place in an odd universe that i like to visit even though it doesn't make sense there's a lot of stuff like that and when there's a movie that is theoretically good a lot of people Mm. really like it and i don't i can usually tell you why like for example i'm going to use a symbol from you um a lot of people really like the movie gladiator
1: oh you really
0: don't like the movie gladiator and you can explain why yeah
1: i do not like Like, the movie gladiator that's
0: not a movie you think is great that you just don't like Mm. you take this movie that people think is great and you say here's why i don't think it's good And you've done that on multiple occasions. I'd happily do it again, but I'm not going to right now. I disagree with you on that one, but fair enough, you know? Anyway. Um, So anyway, thank you so much for writing in, everybody. Uh, We really appreciate your letters. We really appreciate your input. And we're really uh, grateful to be able to give you a forum here. So uh, if you want to write in for a future episode of We've Got Mail, the email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And uh, yeah, questions, concerns, um, anything at all, really. We're happy to, to read it happy to talk about it and uh, we're grateful to you for wanting to share your thoughts with us. And then um, thank you everyone uh, as always for any kind words that you add as well. That is not required, <laughs> but it is nice <laughs> and I do appreciate it. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, the show is at critic acclaim, not critically acclaimed, critic acclaim, critically acclaimed was too long. Uh, Whitney is at Whitney Seibold. I am mm. at William Bibiani. I am not on social media very often right now, but I'll be back. um, And, of course, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where you can vote for future episodes of shows, where you can uh, have a lot of exclusive content, like Out of Gas, the Firefly podcast, or um, uh, all our Yesterdays, the Star Trek podcast, or Only the Best, our Oscars podcast, or Not on Disney+, Plus, our Disney podcast, and plenty of other stuff besides. Um, So that's all available to you. If you sign up, you'll get access to dozens if not hundreds of hours of content right now it's quite a lot Um, so thank you everybody who subscribes we couldn't do this without you and thank you everybody who wrote in and if you're don't feel like those categories thank you as well it's lovely to hear from you thank you for listening thank you for subscribing thank you for leaving us a review thank you for just being you stay safe stay sane and uh, bye sincerely yours, Bibbs and whitney Bye. bye bye bye